0: Hello and welcome to our special 2016 Nurses Week presentation, Self-Care for Nurses, Staying in Balance, sponsored by the MJHS Institute for Innovation in Palliative Care. I'm Dr. Lisa Rosenzweig, a psychologist and MJHS Bereavement Coordinator, and I'm so honored to be presenting to you today in support of our nurses who do the difficult work of day-to-day care for our patients and families. Thank you for being with me today. So I have no financial disclosures to report. And today what we're gonna do is take a little bit of a break. I know that nurses every day are doing such busy and intense work of care. And so I invite you today to just slow down a little bit to look inward to see what your own care needs might be. Today, we'll be providing an overview of self-care. I'll be discussing the risks of professional caregiving and doing that work of caregiving for patients and families at end of life. I'll be describing the elements of self-care to help promote wellness for you in your personal lives and in the workplace. We'll be taking two brief polls on self-care practices And before we end with a question and answer session, um, we'll have a brief self-care exercise, something that just takes a minute or two of your day um, to tune into yourself as a a practice for for perhaps self-care during your workday. So during the presentation, if you have any questions that come up, certainly feel free to write in um, on your your screen um, and I'll have them for the end to answer questions uh, for our Q&A session. I know that often by the end, and especially if we're doing a, a self-care relaxation exercise, may be difficult to shift set into that last piece. So, if you have any questions throughout the uh, throughout the presentation, again, feel free to write in. So, what do I mean by self-care? So, the World Health Organization defines self-care as the ability of individuals, families, and communities to promote health, prevent disease and maintain health and cope with illness and disability with or without the support of a health care provider. I also like to think of this as what are the physical, emotional, social, and spiritual needs that I have that I need to take care of um, to be able to do that work of caregiving for others. And these other terms, vicarious traumatization, compassion fatigue, and burnout are some of the potentially adverse outcomes of doing work of care uh, that we need to be mindful of to watch out for and to do preventive work against. And these aren't the only potentially negative outcomes. There's also depression and anxiety and mental health issues, uh, difficulties in social relationships, and those kinds of things. But these are the ones I'll talk about briefly just to introduce you to the ones that that we think of as as specific to the work of, of caring. So vicarious traumatization. This is a stress response to indirect and repeated exposure to other people's trauma experiences and the effects of that trauma. It's characterized by avoidance, arousal, and re-experiencing and parallels those symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder that someone directly involved in trauma might experience. And this term we think of specific uh, to trauma workers. This could be individuals who work in disaster areas, Um, this is also social workers, psychologists, other helping professionals that might be uh, exposed to the indirect um, traumas that people may experience. And we don't think of this so much in terms of nurses, because nurses are actually exposed to direct trauma. Um, And so for nurses, we more often think about compassion fatigue. This is a stress response to the cumulative exposure to trauma, death, disfigurement, debility, and despair. Um, And so this is often the work uh, involved in palliative and hospice care. So again, this is something really to be mindful of for our nurses here today uh, in that field. It's characterized by that emotional and physical exhaustion, helplessness, isolation, Uh, confusion, having a short temper or short fuse, feelings of resentment, and a reduced sense of of personal accomplishment. Now, individuals who are experiencing compassion fatigue are still able to do the work of caring, albeit at a a reduced um, capacity for it. Um, And this is thought of as specific to helping professions, not just nurses, but other helping professions as well. And burnout is a stress response to professional and occupational factors. So as opposed to the work of death and dying, um, this is the professional and occupational factors of the workplace, like your workload, uh, the degree to which you have institutional support, um, the functioning of the teams that you work in, and a sense of fairness in the workplace. So given that, this, this term burnout isn't specific to the work of helping professionals, it's really across the board in all kinds of job categories that people may experience burnout. And again, it's it's associated with that emotional or physical exhaustion and that sense of cynicism, a reduced sense of personal accomplishment and apathy, not really caring what happens in the workplace, um, and in in this case, not really caring what happens um, to your patients or your coworkers. This is a very difficult experience burnout and certainly something um, to pay attention to and, and to work to prevent. And so we know um, that nurses may be particularly at risk, again, because they provide direct care. Um, and so having self-awareness um, and practicing self-care can mitigate those risks. And this can help promote personal and professional wellness, physical and emotional health, and improve the care that we can give to patients. So I think that it's important to recognize that this is something that we need as helping professionals in our own care kits. Just as you provide care kits to patients and families um, in in your practices, or you think about the ways that they need to have, have care for themselves and for the patient, it's important that we do this for ourselves. Just like on a plane, uh, we're told that we need to put the oxygen mask on ourselves first before helping others. We need to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves so that we have the energy and the ability um, to do the work of caring for others. So you may be wondering how common is compassion fatigue and burnout? And the answer is we know that it's common, but it's not quite clear at this point how common. Um, Studies suggest that it's roughly around 20 percent, but the studies also range between 11 and 80 percent. And this depends on the methodology of the study used, whether this is looking at risk factors for compassion, fatigue, or burnout, or looking at individuals who are already experiencing um, these effects. We know that it's higher uh, in rates for nursing relative to other disciplines. And we also know for palliative and hospice care uh, practitioners, Um, The rates are somewhat similar to other disciplines uh, that that also provide uh, provide care, such as in oncology. Um, And it's not quite clear why. It seems that perhaps um, with an interdisciplinary team, when that's functioning well, that can be a protective factor. And also inherent in the work of palliative and hospice care is the expectation of death and dying. Um, which can can help support our being able to to prepare for that when we work in this this field. So what are some of the risks that we face in professional caregiving um, or or aspects of care that put us at higher risk for compassion fatigue, fatigue or burnout? We know, again, dealing with pain, suffering, dying, and death puts us at risk. And those of us who do that direct care direct care for physical, emotional, social, or spiritual aspects of the patient, that direct care puts us at risk um, for compassion fatigue and burnout. We also know that avoiding patients or emotionally distancing ourselves from patients puts us at greater risk. So while it may seem like that may be uh, helpful in the short run to kind of step back from our patients and not get so emotionally involved, by disconnecting, by avoiding those feelings that come up in this work, um, we actually set ourselves up for longer-term problems. Um, having a lack of confidence in communication skills or having difficulty breaking bad news um, is, is a risk factor uh, for compassion fatigue and burnout. Also having insufficient education, and so notice that those three are all things that we may be able to improve with skill building with supervision, with support, with education. So a lot of this risk can be modifiable. Time pressures and workplace bureaucracy put us at risk. And certainly um, in every organization, this is an aspect of of the framework within which we provide care. Um, So paying attention to those, helping modify them to the extent possible, and and also learning to kind of live within them uh, to the extent we need is an important part of of caring for yourself and doing the work of caring. Um, Interdisciplinary team conflict. Interdisciplinary teams can be very helpful, as I mentioned earlier, in buffering against the potential uh, risks for um, compassion fatigue and burnout. Um, But when teams aren't functioning well, when there's a lot of conflict that goes unaddressed, um, this can, can be an additional stressor. So protective factors. You know, what are some of the protective factors in professional caregiving that we may ourselves have um, within us? Um, Satisfaction or gratification in the work that we do um, can mitigate that risk. Um, Paying attention to the meaning that we derive from our work and staying in touch with that is important. Having effective communication or practicing effective communication um, is helpful. Having a positive self-evaluation. Having support um, from friends and family, from coworkers, from supervisors, managers, from the institution at large is helpful. Having supervision when we need it. Having the opportunity for continuing education, such as attending webinars like this. And again, thank you for your participation today in doing work to help support uh, your own self-care. having stable personal relationships, engaging in physical exercise and making use of leisure time, taking time, making time for relaxation, Um, and also these individual tasks of self-care or team awareness of need for team care. Um, These prevention strategies are helpful um, in mitigating those risks for compassion fatigue and burnout. And we also know that individuals who work part-time as opposed to full-time are at lower risk for compassion, fatigue, and burnout. And so I invite you to think about creating a personal self-care plan. You're used to creating care plans for patients and families, and you can use the nursing skills that you have to look inward and see what it is that you need. Um, To create a care plan for your own self-care. You know, starting with um, the question of what is my motivation for nursing? Why did I get into this field or into this particular organization or specialty of care? How do I stay connected with my motivation? Practicing expanding that motivation um, so that each day when you come to work, you're connected with that. And then thinking about these physical, emotional, social, and spiritual aspects of your own needs. And these are the things that you're going to need to attend to for your self-care. And you may have noticed that there have been some photos of of flowers here uh, on my slides, and there will be more to come. And I I have them there just simply to to be a reminder for self-care. This is one of the things that I do for self-care, is pay attention to beauty in my natural environment. And these are photos that I've taken or some that my mother has taken in her own garden. Um, So I invite you to think about um, ways that we have, uh, that I'll present shortly, uh, but also ways in your own life that you pay attention to your own needs um, for your physical, emotional, social, and spiritual health. So physical. Asking the question, how can I take care of my body? Noticing how your stress shows up physically What are those body signs or symptoms of stress that you experience? Do you get headaches? Do you get neck or muscle tension? Lower back pain? Noticing what those are and making sure that you're paying attention to take care of them when they arise. So this can involve regular medical checkups. Also, practicing body body focus stress relief. Um, So that can be exercise, stretching. This can be yoga, this can be breath exercises where you're feeling the sensations in your body. Um, anything that helps support um, the care for your body. And We'll talk some more about strategies later, too. But next is emotional. How can I take care of my mind? Thinking about how your stress shows up in your feelings, in your thoughts, in thought patterns, and in your behaviors, and paying attention to those and certainly behaviors are important to notice, like if you notice that you're drinking more or getting involved with drug use, other substances, this is something particularly to pay attention to Um, and and getting help when you need it. Recognize that you as a caregiver, as a professional caregiver, especially in doing the work of caring for individuals at end-of-life, that you may have grief processes too that we all grieve for things that are lost, for people, for, um, for, for, in this meaningful work that you do, recognize that grief is a, is a natural part of it, and making sure to, to pay attention and have compassion for yourself through grieving. Asking yourself the question, how do I process emotion? Are you an introvert? Are you an extrovert? Do you need time alone, time spent with others? Do you need to spend time in creative expression, in art, in music, um, in dance, in movement? What is it that you need to do to take care of your emotions, to acknowledge them, to notice them, and to let them go when you need to? I would encourage you to speak to yourself with compassion. Uh, Often, as helping professionals, we reserve that compassion for our patients, for our families, that they're going through something difficult, so we we have empathy for them. Um, But you should recognize that the work that you do is difficult. Most people can't do the work that you do. They can't do it emotionally, physically. And so to to honor that work for yourself and have compassion for yourself when you may be having a difficult day or a difficult week. Um, so, So to speak to yourself with compassion rather than judgment, all of those shoulds, I should have done this for Mr. So-and-so, I could have done that for Mrs. So-and-so. Recognize that that how you speak to yourself affects how you feel um, and that you deserve that compassion too. And lastly here I have make time for things that you enjoy in life. Your own hobbies and interests, the people that are meaningful to you outside of work, or those that are inside of work that are meaningful to you too. Um, Spend time uh, in the things that you enjoy. This is really important for your self-care. Socially, how can I take care of my social relationships? Notice how your stress shows up in those relationships. Do you get short-tempered? Do you get irritable with the people in your life? Um, do you step back and withdraw? What are the things that you do when you're stressed and how does that show up in your relationships? Recognizing what are your own needs? Are you setting healthy limits with others in your personal life and in your professional life? Again, you know, as helping professionals, we're often people pleasers. We, we tend to extend ourselves for others um, and, and making sure that we're not extending ourselves beyond our own limits or our own capacities is is a really important part of doing the work of caring for others. That setting of limits, setting of boundaries that are healthy for us so that we can do that work of care. I have am I addressing conflicts with coworkers and managers in a healthy way? Sometimes we can become conflict avoidant. We can stuff those feelings and or pretend that it didn't happen, or ignore it, and we'll just do the next day, and we don't have to worry about it. Um, But unfortunately, when we stuff those feelings and we stuff those experiences, um, they tend to leak out in other ways, and in other ways we don't intend. Sometimes this can look like passive-aggressive behavior, or it can feel like a building of resentment until we explode um, at our coworkers. So making sure that we're practicing good communication skills on our teams is really important. Noticing um, how you communicate about, about your needs, that's, that's an important part of it. So, saying, you know, when you did this, such and such happened for this patient, and I felt like this, is this something we can talk about? So, modeling that, that healthy communication skill in your team uh, can go a really long way. And getting support when you need it, um, you know, whether this is for social, physical, emotional, or spiritual, making sure that you're reaching out to others as you need when you need additional help. Um, and this can be with friends or family. This can be with coworkers, supervisors, managers. This can be the employee assistance program provided through your organization, or a mental health counselor, psychologist, or social worker provided through uh, your health benefits. Um, you know, making sure that you're reaching out um, when you're feeling uh, stretched thin can help you support your own self-care, and help you care for your patients better. Spiritually, how can I take care of my spirit? Um, now, for some people, this is a religious or a spiritual issue, and for others, it isn't. It can be a larger existential question. Um, but paying attention to what that is for yourself, what nourishes your spirit or your soul, what helps you connect with something larger, or something beyond yourself, Um, What is the meaning of life? And how do you stay in touch um, with what you need uh, to keep going uh, spiritually? And now we'll have a poll coming up on the next slide. So for those of you who are are participating in the webinar today while having a snack or a lunch, uh, this could be a good time to put down your coffee and and prepare um, for this next poll. Which area do you want to pay particular attention to in your self-care? And we'll have about 20 seconds to answer this question. We'll open the poll now. Um, is that your physical, your emotional, your social, or your spiritual self-care that you need to pay particular attention to? Now, I would argue that, that perhaps you need to pay attention to all, but is there one particular area uh, that you feel like you need to pay to? I'll give you one more moment to finish uh, replying to that poll question, and then we'll close the poll and see the results. Okay, okay so it looks like it's, it's pretty tied between physical and emotional self-care that you all want to pay attention to better. You know thank you for, for, uh, for putting that out there and, and kind of tuning into what you need and sharing that with me today. Um, So that physical and emotional piece you want to pay particular attention to. So on these next slides, I invite you to think about um, which of the next strategies might help support your physical and your emotional self-care. So here I have a whole bunch of different ideas of different strategies that you might want or need to make time for in your life. And these are things generally that we think of as as outside of the work of your everyday work. things that you need to do in your time off um, to make sure that you're taking care of yourself so that when you come into work you're feeling renewed. Some of those physical or emotional pieces um, that we have here could be exercise or stretching, yoga and meditation. Um, The emotional piece might be supported by writing or journaling, doing creative work, um, taking time to use your vacation days. And I have some additional lines here that will also appear in your handout for you to write in your own strategies, You know, thinking about what from each of these different pieces you might want to add or enhance in your life outside of work to make sure that you're taking care of yourself. And on the next slide, we're going to have another poll where we're going to kind of shift attention from that life outside of work to the life inside of work. How are you caring for yourself during your work? So I'm wondering, how much time do you currently spend on your self-care during your workday? And again, we'll have about 20 seconds to answer this poll. And we'll open the poll now. Is that zero minutes? You're spending no time during your workday on your self-care. Is it about one to five minutes, six to ten minutes, 11 to 20 minutes, or more than 20 minutes? How much time are you currently spending during the workday for? Again, give you another moment to answer. And then we'll close the poll and see the results. It looks like it's a a pretty even distribution between zero to greater than 20 minutes. There's a whole lot of variety in how you're answering these questions. About 17% of you are spending no time at all uh, during your workday for self-care. And about 23% of you are spending greater than 20 minutes. And then again, it falls roughly evenly in between. Um, So thinking about how much time you're spending during your day, is there something that you need to increase during that time, or to maximize, or pay attention to differently? Um, And then the next slides, we'll think about how we can integrate self-care more uh, into your workday. And it doesn't need to take a lot of time, but it does need to take a bit of attention. So what are some strategies that you can use Um, for self-care during your workday. I would encourage you to develop rituals or habits around self-care, spending even just a brief amount of time to connect with something important to you. I have some words up here, and some may work for you, some may not, Um, but thinking about what resonates for you. Do you need some time to connect with meaning and purpose, with a sense of grounding or centering, a feeling of peace or calm in your day? Or do you maybe need uh, 3 quarters of the way through the day to have a bit of time for energizing, to renew your energy, to get through that last push of the day? Um, Thinking about what it is that you need and making sure that you're designing your strategies around that feeling. I would encourage you to combine your routine task time with self-care. And here are just some, uh, some examples of things that you are likely doing every day. And these things can be paired with a self-care task. So for example, for your hand hygiene, while you're washing your hands between patients, you can visualize uh, the stress or tension from the previous patient or the previous uh, activity, kind of just releasing, rinsing off your hands with the water and, and observing it go down the drain, letting go of it so that you can be clean and ready for the next patient. Taking bathroom breaks, making sure that you're paying attention to your bodily needs. This is, of course, extremely important and, unfortunately, often neglected. Um, So making sure that you're taking the time throughout the day to keep yourself hydrated. Your cells need water. um, Take time to have water. This will increase your number of bathroom breaks, um, which I know can sometimes come at a time that it just doesn't feel like there's time for. Uh, but making sure that you're paying attention to your bodily needs, taking care of them. And even just that one moment before you open the door to come back into your day, um, to take a nice nice deep breath or a nice moment to just relax, release, let go, to be ready for what comes next. Same thing with documentation time. When you sit down um, to write your notes on a patient's case, um, you can... You can take a few breaths to collect your thoughts, write out a note, and as you close that window, maybe even visualizing, closing out that case to be ready for the next one. um, To let go of, of the experiences and the feelings from that time to be ready for what comes next. Team meetings can be a great time for connection with your coworkers. Um, So, taking a few minutes before uh, the team meeting or after the team meeting to talk with a colleague about a difficult case um, or to talk about a rewarding case or spending time talking about something entirely separate from your work, Um, taking a moment to just connect uh, with friends and, and colleagues at that time. Taking a lunch break. Making sure that what you're eating during the day is healthy for you, is nutritious. This is another way of taking care of your body. Um, and taking a lunch break, taking time to step away from the patient care or step away from other work responsibilities to nourish yourself can be profoundly healing. Um, and maybe maybe during the week um, you're usually spending your lunch time in documentation or reading up on an issue for a patient, um, in multitasking. We often spend our lunchtime multitasking. It can be an opportunity even just one time per week to single task, to just spend that time only doing what you set out to do, to eat your lunch, or to spend some of those days during your lunch break um, or your dinner break if you're on the night shift to to do something that's enriching or supportive for your personal self-care. Maybe this is reading fiction while you're having lunch, or or enjoying a webinar, such as today, um, in in taking time for for education for your work, in in doing something during your lunch um, that, again, is is nourishing for your self-care. Travel time between patients can be an opportunity for self-care. For those of you who work in facilities, this is a briefer amount of time, but that might be time that you spend in your hand hygiene or in breathing out after you leave a patient's room um, and setting your intention for going into the next uh, patient's room. For those of you who work in home-based care, you may have a little bit more time uh, between patients. So when you leave a patient's home, uh, and you're walking to your car or to public transportation for travel to the next patient, this could be an opportunity perhaps to take another walk around the block. Or if you don't have time for another walk around the block, just simply observing the nature around you um, in, in, that, in that interim period. You know, maybe you can look at some of the clouds as you, as you walk uh, to your car or to the public transportation. Um, or to to observe flowers that may be there um, along the walk. Um, To take that opportunity for something that you need. Entering a patient's home or room, again, can be a time to reconnect with your meaning or your purpose and why you got into this work and what you have to be able to provide for this next patient and family. Or during patient care, while you're spending time with a patient, there's nowhere else you need to be and nothing else that you need to do. So spending that time, you know, mindfully with your patients can be an important part of, of self-care, too. And here I just have so many more strategies. And again, not all of these strategies will work for everyone. Maybe one or two works for you, maybe a bit more. Maybe you need to think up additional strategies uh, for yourself, and again, I have lines provided for you to write in your own thoughts. Um, but we'll go through each of these just briefly um, to think about trying them on for yourself. Is this something that might work for me, For me, even if it's not something i have thought of before? So diaphragmatic breathing. You may have taught your patients or your patients' family members diaphragmatic breathing for relaxation or for pain management. This is something that we can do for ourselves, too. Kind of, we tend during the day to just breathe from this top portion of our lungs. Um, we don't get air all the way into to our full lungs, all the way into those bronchioles down at the bottom. Um, so making sure that we're taking breaths deep into our diaphragm can be relaxing and healing during the day. Four, seven, eight breathing. This is a particular pattern of breath. Um, and you can do this kind of breathing for three or four breaths in a row there's no particular length of time that this needs to be done for but it's simply about this ratio of inhaling for for a count of four holding the breath for a count of seven and exhaling for a count of eight and again it's simply about that ratio and taking three or four breaths of this kind um, is actually a very powerful way of of, um, of slowing down and relaxing the breath. Progressive muscle relaxation. This is a relaxation technique where you can tighten or tense each muscle group and then relax them. Each muscle group going up from your feet to your head and maybe back down again. Or some people simply visualize that muscle group and visualize relaxing or releasing the sensations that they might feel there. Visualization. Again, going back to those words I had earlier for calm or relaxation, for energizing, for meaning. Whatever word it is that you're trying to promote, you can allow an image to come to you um, about that, that resonates around that word. And practice that image. You know, Practicing that image when you need that feeling um, using visualization um, can be helpful and can take even just a few moments to reconnect with that feeling. Mantra meditation, this can be a word or a phrase, it can be a word that has meaning or it can be a word that's meaningless Um, Sometimes people use the word relax for mantra meditation Where on the inhale they're envisioning that that first syllable of re And on the exhale, lax And so just over and over again in your mind, connecting with re-lax Um, And whenever other thoughts come into your mind, because they will, just allowing them to be and refocusing on what it is that you're focusing on in that meditation, which is the word, which is that mantra. Prayer may be important for some of us, um, whether that's um, connecting with our our sense of spirituality or religion or saying brief words about our patients that we want to, to pray about acknowledging emotional reactions, noticing when you're having feelings instead of just kind of trying to get rid of them or stuff them away, um, can be really important for self-care. Noticing them so that you can do something about them, so that you can take care of yourself or so that you can talk to yourself compassionately around that feeling. Crying when you need to. For some of us, crying is an important emotional release. And when we're doing the work of of care for patients at the end of life, for families who may be um, suffering with the loss of a loved one. We may have these emotional reactions that pull on tears for us. So finding a private space or finding a time to be able to release them can be important uh, for those of us who, who who find benefit from crying. Um, Practicing gratitude. Even in a difficult day, there must be something uh, that you felt grateful for. Maybe it was the support of a teammate. Um, Maybe it was um, for for a good cup of coffee when you needed it. But tuning into what it is that you feel grateful for and doing this on an everyday basis can be an important part of self-care and nurturing yourself. Keeping a folder of thank yous. This is something that I do uh, certainly, is is when I get a thank you or a word of appreciation from a coworker or from a manager, I copy that email into another folder to keep that for myself for for a drearier day uh, when I need to look at that. And the same can go for if you get a verbal word of thank you or praise, you know, take a note down. You know, keep this in a folder, in a physical folder, or in a folder in your phone. Um, where on a difficult day you can look at those words, those expressions of appreciation um, to, to give them to yourself again. Saying thank you uh, to a coworker or expressing your appreciation for someone you work with. Um, this can help brighten their day, but it can also help brighten yours for being able to support someone else who might need that, that care. Thanking yourself. You know, especially in the work of nursing, much of the work that you do goes unthanked, unfortunately. That that people don't always tell you how much they appreciated your work. Um, And and people don't always let you know that you're doing a good job. So recognizing that for yourself and making sure that you're doing that work to acknowledge and take care of yourself um, can be very helpful. Massaging tense muscles, even just taking a few minutes to, to give yourself care on those tight or tense spots. Stretching, similarly. Holding a favorite yoga pose. My favorite happens to be the warrior pose. When I, when I do that pose, I can feel connected with a sense of, of confidence um, and, and self-assurance. And so, for example, before doing public speaking, such as this, you may find me in a, in a warrior pose. So whatever pose that might be for you, if you do yoga in your outside life, you know even just spending 30 seconds in a pose um, that helps you connect with that feeling that you need can be really helpful. 90 seconds of jumping jacks for those of you who need energy uh, during your day at work. Even just taking a minute or a minute and a half to run in place or do jumping jacks gets your heart rate up, gets you Feeling more energized to go into that next patient's room. Aromatherapy can be helpful. Our sense of smell um, is is very powerfully connected to how we feel. So for for people who who connect with scent, um, getting an essential oil in a in a scent that you enjoy can be helpful. and and, and speaking with the person at the at the store where they sell the essential oils to ask about different scents that may connect with certain feelings that you're trying to promote. So for example, for energizing, peppermint can be very helpful. And you just have to take a small, um, a small amount of essential oils to dab on your pinkies and put it right there on your temples and that scent can stay with you during the day. Again, as I mentioned before, eating a healthy lunch I have here one square of chocolate. We tend to snack mindlessly when we snack. But if we can snack mindfully, um, we can actually get more joy and more enjoyment um, out of the snack of our choice. So here, for me, I, I'm a chocolate person. And so, so having that one square of chocolate, just taking a scent of that chocolate before you put it in your mouth and then letting it linger on your tongue so that all of your taste buds can really revel in the flavor. Um, Leaving it on your tongue for 10 seconds, 20 seconds before you eat it, and to really experience the process of eating that one small snack, um, again, can be um, very helpful for your enjoyment and in, in consuming less calories. Slowly applying hand cream can be helpful. As nurses, um, with all of the frequent hand hygiene that you engage in, nurses are are notorious for having chapped and raw skin on on your hands. Um, So taking time to give care to your hands and using a hand cream that has a scent that you enjoy and taking time to really feel feel yourself giving your hands the care that you need um, can be, again, very supportive for your physical, and your emotional self-care needs. Um, watering a plant, nurturing something that doesn't talk back, can be very healing. Um, observing the clouds, as I mentioned before, taking time to take a walk, discussing a case with a coworker, whether that's a difficult case or a meaningful case, laughing with your coworkers, laughing with your patients. You know, even though you're doing this work um, of of caring for individuals and families at end of life, they're still full human beings, and and it can help you both connect with your sense of humanity and meaning and purpose um, to share a moment of laughter together. Taking your sick days when you need them. You know, I myself am getting over a bit of a cold, and I certainly needed to take a sick day at the beginning of a cold to make sure that that I wasn't. Um, I wasn't transmitting my illness to other people, who, especially in the work of nursing, may be immunocompromised. um, But also to make sure that you're taking care of yourself so that you have the physical and the emotional energy uh, to come back to work when the time is right to care for others. And as I mentioned before, single tasking. And so then again, lastly, before we have our question and answer session, I have this 15 breaths exercise for us to do together. Um, so again, if you're having your coffee or a snack, this is a good time to put that down. Um, and there are no particular rules for this. This exercise is simply taking 15 breaths. But I have some helpful tips on the side here that can help make the most out of this uh, relaxation exercise. You can have your feet flat on the ground. I'm shifting in my chair and you can too to find a comfortable position. Then think of an elongated spine, okay? So that's kind of a noble position. This helps kind of um, lengthen all of your breathing apparatus. (laughs) You can keep your eyes closed or softly unfocused in front of you. And taking a moment to set your intention, whether that's an intention for calm or peace, or just to have a break for these these moments. You can allow for a soft belly. And notice if you're having any judgment around that. and, And let that go. And today it's simply taking 15 long breaths, and I'll take you through that. So with your eyes gently closed or softly unfocused in front of you, Tune into your breathing and begin to count your exhales, so in and one, in and two, in. and 3. And continuing at your own pace. And I know shifting from active learning into this mode of relaxation, there can be a lot of chatter in your mind, and that's normal. Simply notice that Allow it to recede to the background, and simply turn your attention back to the counting of your exhales, and physical sensations or sounds in the room or beyond. They may call for your attention too. And again, simply notice them, allow them to remain in the background and return your attention to your own breath, and finishing up that count of fifteen in your own time. and then slowly and gently reorienting to this external environment to the sound of my voice to your feet on the floor, your body supported by the chair starting to feel more awake and alert and perhaps refreshed knowing that you can come back to this place and this space inside your own mind and body simply by tuning into your breath with intention and attention to the counting of your exhales. Beautiful. This is a simple approximately one minute exercise that you can do when you need it. This is a way that perhaps that you can take just one minute of time for self-care during your day. And I say that this is one minute of self-care because on average, for most people, those 15 breaths take about, about one minute. So I invite you to check in with yourself. How was that for you? Was that something that you found relaxing? or that you enjoyed? Did you find your mind caught up in thoughts or sensations? That's normal, too. And with the practice, you may still find that, but you may find it more relaxing and releasing Um, the more you try it. Think about how you might want to tweak your practice, too. Maybe you want to pair it with diaphragmatic breathing. Maybe you want to inhale through your nose and exhale through your mouth. Or maybe these are things you don't particularly want to pay attention to. Um, those things can help with the relaxation response and at the same time you know, I invite you to find what works for you. Think about where might this fit in my day? You know, Is this something that I might want to try before or after documentation time? Or is there another place that would work for me? And what else do you want to do for self-care? What do you want to do during your workday? What do you need to do for your life outside of work? How can you take care of yourself so that you can continue to feel healthy and capable of doing the work of care for others? So thank you so much for your attention today. We'll have some time for questions and answers. I know, again, this is a moment of shifting between, between active learning and relaxation, and now some of your questions. So again, thank you for, for sending those in. Thank you for your participation in thinking about your own self-care today as you start to make that plan for self-care going forward. Let's see. So someone asks, if you're starting to notice feelings of compassion fatigue or burnout, what should you do? So I would say first, it's important to, to, um, to have compassion for yourself through that time. Those feelings are difficult. They're difficult to notice in yourself. They can feel frustrating. They can feel angering. Um, and so noticing how you're feeling and having compassion for that um, is the first step to engage with these kinds of self-care activities is especially important if you're starting to notice compassion fatigue or burnout. And then also if you're noticing that this is something that you're having difficulty addressing on your own and when it gets to that level of feeling that emotional and physical exhaustion, it's certainly helpful to reach out to others, talking to others about what you're experiencing. You're not going through this alone. As I mentioned, um, roughly 20% of, of uh, nurses are experiencing compassion fatigue, and somewhere between 18 or I'm sorry, between 11 and 80% are are experiencing something akin to compassion fatigue or burnout. So you're not alone in these feelings. So speaking with a coworker, a trusted friend, um, can be another first step. Talking to your supervisor or manager or a supervisor maybe in another department or speaking with someone from another discipline like a social worker, a chaplain, or a bereavement coordinator can be helpful. And then that next layer too of of speaking with someone from the employee assistance program. Um, Every major institution um, has employee assistance programs available. Um, So asking through your HR department uh, how to get in contact with your Employee Assistance Program can be a way to do that. Also through your health care benefits. There are mental health providers on every um, health insurance plan. And so that's social workers, psychologists, mental health counselors. Um, They can also be another layer of support um, in helping you think through how you're feeling, um, to maybe shift how you're feeling and create a plan Um, for addressing these feelings so that you can either continue in the work that you're doing or maybe think about other ways to to work in your life. Sorry, There's some grassroots grassroots national discussion that a 12-hour shift may be taking a step back due to nurse fatigue and risk of errors. Absolutely. Um, Having a 12-hour shift um, can be physically and emotionally exhausting and taking breaks in there can be difficult. Certainly, there are um, entitlements to breaks. And at the same time, realistically, we know that given the time pressures of nursing and staffing shortages, this can be very difficult. Um, so you know, I, I agree that 12-hour shifts, while they may compress your work week and maybe help give you longer time for balance in your personal life, it can be difficult. It can be difficult to really balance that self-care, and I, I don't have any easy or great answers for that, unfortunately. I wish I did, um, but recognizing that, that this is a challenge, and, and so it takes that extra effort, uh, unfortunately, on, on the part of, of the individuals with those shifts for self-care. I would also argue that it's important for institutions to step up and make sure that they're, they're practicing care for their employees. Uh, making sure that, that, um, that staffing needs are met, um, that, that um, nurse concerns are addressed, um, that this is taken care of from that standpoint too. So taking care of yourself, advocating for change in your organization, uh, advocating on a larger scale, you know, maybe getting involved politically um, on a larger scale to advocate for your profession can also be a way of supporting your own meaning and purpose in your field creating change and being able to manage the change as it goes through a transition of hopefully something better. It's beautiful what has been said about self-care and at the same time it's so hard when management doesn't understand what we're going through. We can encourage ourselves but the minute we open an email it doesn't start out with "You're you're doing a good job, I just want to clarify emails tend to start off with what we're not doing and what is not acceptable. How do we deal with this? I agree it can certainly be disheartening to get a flood of emails that tend to be focused on what we do wrong and tend not to notice what it is that we do right. Um, So again connecting with our own meaning and purpose, making sure that we in having that communication with others can pay attention to giving that that gift of appreciation Um, can help get that gift back for ourselves Um, but making sure that we're taking the time to to appreciate ourselves um, to to speak with our managers sometimes if needed about making sure that we're getting that positive feedback as well Um, and and supporting each other through it you know I think that having a week like Nurses Week um, is a time for organizations and for our, our society at large um, to spend a little bit of time to, to acknowledge the things that unfortunately don't get acknowledged in the everyday, the 365 days a year when nurses are doing an excellent job. Um, so you know, having a week is important and helpful, and I, I'm glad to be a part of it in supporting, um, supporting our nurses here. And I think it's also a reminder that in the rest of the year that we need to continue this work of appreciating our colleagues. Um, Thank you. And so, you know, just to to wrap up, it's a reminder that this is a time to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves so that we have the time and energy to take care of others and to prevent potentially negative effects such as compassion fatigue and burnout, depression, anxiety, etc. And the things that we can do for ourselves are making sure that we're paying attention to and giving ourselves and each other care for our physical, emotional, social, and spiritual care needs. Excuse me, that's all the time that we have questions for. Um, Thank you for your attention. And I just want to remind you um, that our next webinar in the regular MJHS-NHPCO Interprofessional Webinar Series in Palliative Care will be Caring for Holocaust Survivors with Sensitivity at the End of Life by Toby Weiss the Director of Cultural Sensitivity and Jewish Programming at MJHS Hospice and Palliative Care. And I also want to remind you to complete your webinar evaluations to help us in planning for our future sessions. Thank you for your attention today to me and to your own care needs. And again, happy Nurses Week. Thank you for all the work you do.